This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the podcast where we discuss topics we believe requires critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast or go to saythiscast.com to hear previous episodes. Hey, party people! This is this is Genre, and I'm here with Claudia Alec. Is that how you pronounce Alec? Alec, Alec I'm sorry. Alec. Like a smart I bet Alec. Everybody does that too. You are in such good company. Like famous, famous people have 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 introduced me to gigantic stages with the wrong vowel sound. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claudia is a. Let's see. On your website, it says cultural producer, performer, and inclusion expert. (laughs) Claudia is really awesome. And uh, Nick was not feeling well, but uh, we really wanted to put out a show. And I've been taught how long have I been talking to you for like a few weeks about like random stuff? Yeah, we make friends over Twitter. We're Twitter friends. Yay. So I wanted to ask Claudia on to talk about what were we going to talk about? We, were we to didn't about figure X-Men. one out. We were going we to be. Uh, I thought we were going to discuss X Men First Class. You were going off on. I was. X-Men I mean, First that was a while. I was going off on it. Like, if we can talk about my feelings about X Men First Class, sure. I'm. I'm. I'm totally down for at least X Men. We can let X Men be the spine of our conversation and go off. What I was telling you before about X Men is that uh, in X Men First Class, uh, I actually highly dislike X Men First First Class. I was watching it with some friends, and uh, in the movie theater, we we're there like opening night, uh, and we're going through the movie. It's like it's an okay movie, you know. It's it's X Men, you know, and uh, the visuals are pretty cool. And then they get the original, like the first proto team together, and it's all these white kids and like a couple brown kids, of course. Uh, and the 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 brown kids are one is a taxi driver and one is an exotic dancer. Ah, uh, yeah. And if I'm recalling correctly, so. And actually, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna bump this conversation out a bit, but then Uh-oh. I want to return to your specific experience of mm-hmm. this film. So I've always been obsessed with the X Men stories because they seem like they're a piece of American mythology, like mm-hmm. non secular American mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because the X Men. So many of the comic books are propaganda. Like half of the comic books are propaganda, and they're about, at least I think they're about having us as an audience member be really down for the person who's doing policing and mm-hmm. managing humanity so that they behave themselves in a cultural <laughs> society. Yay! So, but the X-Men were supposed to be the outsiders. They were supposed to represent all of the people who get harmed by society and the carceral society. So like um, in the original, I don't know if you've ever read the original comics. Oh yeah. So do you remember the, the um, 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 indigenous one, the indigenous X-Men? Uh, Danny Moonstar? Moon? No. Mm. It was, um. Oh my God. Now I want to go to my shelf and grab my reading material. It's not, the, in, the, it's not indi- like the, the, the woman from new X-Men. 
No, no, no. I'm talking about like literally the original, like the first comic of the X-Men had an indigenous dude who was deeply angry all the time. He was always unreasonably angry. And part of like, you'd read it and you'd be like, oh, as an audience member, that sounds possibly thunder. I don't, again, I'm annoyed at myself because this is, the book is literally on a shelf that I can see down the hallway on, <laughs> I, but I, I don't want to leave the, the microphone to go, to go get my research. But, but if I'm recalling correctly, it was, it was just weird because it was this indigenous person who was angry all the time for not a great reason. And then he gets killed off rather quickly. Like they kill him off. So like within the first year, there's something going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes where they're like, let's get rid of some of these POC characters and replace them with some friendlier white characters that can act like they're marginalized. They're like, they're marginalized because of their superpower. So we're getting the story of marginalized people without referencing real life marginalization too much. So the X-Men were always supposed to be a method of exploring race and heterosexism, but almost immediately became a tool about recuperating and reinforcing racism and heterosexism, but within the framework of them being marginalized outsiders that we should root for. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about, and it was um, Thunderbird was the first one. Uh, He was... Uh. He uh, came in New Mutants 1984. I, I looked at New Mutants like uh, 16 or something like that. So uh, that was 19, in the 1980s. And but the interesting thing about what they're what they're doing with X-Men now actually is there has been this evolution of how, well, you know, like how Professor X and uh, Magneto, they were supposed to be representative as civil rights leaders, you know, like um one is more uh passive or one is more like trying to like be more integrative i guess and the other one is like no fuck all the humans <laughs> you know uh, i mean i, I I'll, I'll say this i yeah. always i'm making my cringe face again oh i it's um, supposed to be cringy yeah that's, that's yeah, my point but, but i'm making my cringe face because also i'm not sure if the writers did that or if the or if people wrote that about the characters later and decided that there was our vibe no that they they meant to do that it's still super it's 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 problematic and cringy because i'm like you're misrepresenting the philosophies and the political stances Mm -hmm. of actual black civil rights leaders that the metaphor doesn't work the metaphor doesn't work (laughs) well that that's um that's what i was getting at the and lately they've moved the them away from being those like like quasi opposing viewpoints, even though they're friends or whatever, especially Professor X, who was always, and I can't remember the word. Um, is it assimilation? That's not like the right word. No, assimilation sounds like the right word. He was like, he, he was like, if we're superheroes, then they'll accept us, you know? And that's always been like kind of cringy to me. Like you're trying to get, basically you're trying to get the, the, the the majority to accept you by saving their lives. Well, and isn't that, hasn't that always been the argument though for integration for black people in yes. dominant culture? Well, if you can be a good citizen, being a good citizen means maintaining all of the institutions that already exist, mm-hmm. maintaining faith and allegiance to all of the institutions that already exist and building it so it'll be stronger and better for future generations. Just become a cop. Just become a cop and people will stop being racist to you. 
just just be a lawyer just be a banker just just be a person whose job it is to oppress and marginalize other people and you'll be accepted into the broader community that's, yeah, that's, that was uh, Professor Professor X's theory, basically. <laughs> yeah, but they've got they've basically he's just they've just stopped that in the in the current comics they've they've just made their own mutant nation and, and they're like no we're just gonna be over here we don't care anymore leave us alone <laughs> and uh and and this is so this brings me back to the to the place where I'd started from so I was. Mm -hmm reflecting on this weird and you're 100 percent right i was confused about the first the first one didn't have the indigenous guy the indigenous guy came in the 1970s so yeah. like the first version had cyclops marvel girl beast but beast was just like he had big feet and hands yeah he was just a dude yeah he's just like a regular dude who was like real flexible yeah he was like a really acrobatic like moderately strong guy with big feet yeah, like not that impressive. But anyway, but also <laughs> Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were in the first were in the first roster, which I think is fascinating. They were the enemies. They weren't on the X-Men. Mm. Oh, they were part of Magneto's group. Yes. Oh, oh they were part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yes. Interesting. All right, so... What I find interesting about the X-Men is it's always doing the same storytelling job of it needs to acknowledge carceral society and then quickly recuperate it. So by <laughs> the time you're done reading it, you are you're not um, you're not an activated young person. You're deactivated. You've been neutralized. You've you've had your thoughts and feelings about this kind of cultural formation. But now you're back to being a good citizen. And yes, I am saying that all comic books are propaganda for the state. That's what I just suggested. So then you've got the Chris Claremont era, right? Where they yeah. add more, where they add more characters of color. That's where you get um Storm. And do you remember Banshee? He was the he was the Irish one and he was just yeah. like his magical his his superpower was being able to like go oh and I was like this is he, this he is just wrong. screams. He's like he's like Black Canary. Like he's doing it with an Irish accent, like in the draw, like the way they write him <laughs> is weird. And like, yeah. it's not racist because it's an Irish person and that's, it's still white people, but like, it felt wrong. I was like, there's something wrong and weird about the way they're writing these characters. Yeah. They, for a while they were trying to write accents. Yeah. Which was, well, like, like any accents, they're like trying to, to approximate that. It's like, you don't really well, need like, to do that please stop it's it's like it's like uh blackface but like but not but, but almost like blackface because like they didn't have actual for the irish well yeah but like but for all the characters like for mm -hmm. the actual black characters like if you have only a white team writing all the characters because i've got my um uh, not black panther who am i thinking of black power um um luke cage power man yeah yeah power man i've got my old collection of power man comics and oh, they're no. racist. They're weird and racist because white yeah. men wrote them, and they were like, "We made this for you, black audience. You're, you should like this." <laughs> Where's Look at my this money, honey? Hero. Yeah. <laughs> he made you a hero. Yeah, he's he doesn't have it nice like Superman. He does not have it nice like Superman. But we mm. made this for you. Enjoy it. Look at him in jail. You like this story we wrote for you? White white mythologies of blackness. Do you like that? <laughs> That's well, it. I mean, just the just thinking about that. That it's a really interesting evolution of black superheroes 
that it's that this is something I I think about like a, like a lot like how black people have been depicted how black heroes specifically have been depicted in comics not great the interesting thing is at first they they were like black heroes were coming from Africa you know the dark continent and they all had like kind of quasi mystical powers even storm was like oh i'm you know she's a goddess or something like that and then they they so then more black people got accepted and they're like okay so now you can be american but you've been but you're in the slums and you're in jail that's that's your that's your whole thing now <laughs> so again this is what happens when you have only an exclusively white people yeah. writing comics because they're like oh we need to make something for black people well okay what are blood or black people black people live in the hood we're gonna set it in the hood also that's interesting that's exciting there's a movie boys in the hood people like the hood let's do that <laughs> well then after that they started they had like black lightning who was a principal and quote unquote upstanding citizen. Politics. Say what? Respectability politics. Respect That's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's it. Oh man, I was gonna be bothering me for the rest of the day. Respectability politics. Yes. Power man. Yes. All the and not power man. Shoot, black lightning. Black lightning all the way. Mm -hmm. but, and it's not like I don't watch all of them because I'm I live in America and I'm a sucker. I'm like, yeah, like I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm desperate for any black representation. I will spend all of my money on it. Mm -hmm. And also like eventually after like 30 years, they'll let someone like Tana Heasy Coates, right? Like Black Panther. And then it feels less racist because yeah. like black people are doing it now. So it's not as racist as it was, even though it's still a fully a white imaginative product. I mean, let's, let's, uh, I mean, when it, it was it was still cringy when Reggie Hudlon was writing it. Oh, I like um, you like Re like Reggie Hudlon. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So those are the sounds I, that you should have when thinking about that man. I'm a fan of some of the things that have been manifested, right? Like mm -hmm. a bunch of the things. Again, again, I'm a sucker for all things black. So like, and, and especially as a nerd, as a black nerd coming up for the last 30 years, mm. my shelves are covered in things where I'm like, oh, you gotta this reach is for funny. whatever you can get. Kind like of I thing. have all the Blade movies, you know, like I was really I was like, Blade, I will take this. I will take this <laughs> and watch all of it. And I will stand it. I will try hard to be like, this is good. I, I will argue with you a little even i mean my friend was she uh she talks about why she likes uh thundercats oh why so why, why? Were, partially because <laughs> they had a black coated character in it and we didn't uh, have that many things in the mid 80s we didn't have many of those i'm like i'm trying to figure like why was i into thundercats also frankly they felt a little gay i don't know why that's but, like, because I they were cartoon characters in the 80s maybe i don't know but yeah a little bit yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. oh no, there there's a lot of gay coding but the but the yeah, um but, but panthro like felt like like a black guy even though he was you know a purple guy mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like uh when people think about piccolo from dragon ball z oh people are like yeah he, he's he's the black guy <laughs> so so uh, so this is the weird thing about enjoying things in a white supremacist country Mm. 
everything you like it but it also has a little bit of weirdness in it so like the x-men was for us but it was also a little bit against us but every time it had a, a a revamp i would get hope again and be like this is the version of x-men that's gonna have more for me and x-men first class it gave me a promise it gave me a promise like it was during the obama years mm-hmm Prom- it, it teased me and promised me that it said new. It had the word new in it or something or first or. First class. Yeah. Just, if you're talking about the movie. Yeah. 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 It gave me the impression that I was not going to have the experience of feeling harmed and erased in the way that I often oh, that's do unfortunate. When, I'm watching, when I'm watching superhero movies. Going back to what you said about X-Men, I, I would actually argue about uh, against that. I would say that it's not made for us. It was made for white people to try to understand us. Oh, snap. Okay. Shoot. You're right. They were supposed to be like, this is, this is like, it's, um, I mean, like you said, like, uh, the, um, comics are, are kind of like modern mythology. Actually, my friend used to own a comic store called Modern Myths. Um, but, uh, they were trying to use the X-Men and mutants as an allegory for, like you said, like, um or or like minority culture and everything and uh it wasn't supposed to be like something that the black readers could relate to it was supposed to be like showing the white readers like hey this is this is how it feels so okay it's like all it's they were trying can i dig into this question a little deeper though because you 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 sparked me and now i'm curious yeah let's go So I'm recognizing that the folks who are like making all the comic books, of course, they're obviously making it for a white dominant audience. Mm -hmm. And they're also making it for a white male. Actually, they're not making it for real people. They're making it for this imaginary audience that they think exists. And they think that the audience is young white men. Mm -hmm. And that's who they want to serve. They have to make them happy first. They always have to make that happy first. But then I do think that they were like, Let's get some let's get some money from brown people. Let's get some money from women. Let's do something. Like I don't think you get Marsha Ram Marsha Rambo. Oh my gosh. Um what is wrong with me? Why did I just call her Marsha? I don't know. Isn't it Maria? It's Maria. I was about to go through every M, M name ever. That is embarrassing. <laughs> well, they I mean those characters like, came out like in the 70s and 80s. But like her character, like she was Miss Marvel, right? That's who I'm thinking of. Like she, she was, was like, uh ca- yeah she was captain marvel for like for a, a second and then they were like oh let's make let's we want we want the captain marvel to be a thing that makes money and represents white maleness so let's have her let's give her a new name and make captain marvel a white dude that's reversed that's it was ca- captain marvel was the white guy first and then um then it got passed to to uh monica monica rambo monica thank you but no but then she was only captain marvel for like a second and then they were like you know what this isn't working let's make a white let's make it a white dude again so they made it a white dude and they gave her a different name i just remember like her 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 story is weird because they kept rebooting her character with different powers and giving her a new name so it was very hard as a black female fan to cosplay or to try and like follow that character because they kept changing her name and her costume and her power set. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then they did it again in the TV show. Yeah. They, um, yeah, she, she showed up in WandaVision. Yeah. Uh, that, was excited. that should be the cool <gasps> thing about that is she's going to be in the Marvels. Like she's going to, 
like all of them are Captain Marvel. Yeah, that that is awesome. We are excited for it. But it was once again, another reboot retelling of her story. And mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed where I was like, there aren't that many amazing black female characters. Can we allow one to have their own film? Could they have their own yeah. property? Like, why does she have to be a side character who's helping the Scarlet Witch to emotionally grow? Like, like, why? Why are she why really are was a, a magical black, always, like black character? What is she? Yes, yes. We're always like the black best friend who's there to help you with your problems. Like every black, every like romance movie has like a well, not everyone, but like so many black, so many movies have this character that's like the the protagonist is a white woman and she's got a sassy black friend yeah like we're we're meant to um root for her getting her dreams resolved and she always has a friend who's either a um, a black female a gay man or a um an alcoholic housewife Mm. and then like one of those friends will help her reach her dreams and um monica (laughs) rambeau in wandavision was the sassy best black friend helping wanda emotionally heal and get her dreams yeah even though she was basically screwing over an entire town a little bit a little bit yeah but like, just emotionally um... I, I liked it though but <laughs> it was I a great show like, i felt like we should be further along by now and one of the reasons we're not further along is because every time they had a moment to make a choice that was like, hey, let's invest in black characters. Let's mm-hmm. build the history and build, like the excuse is always, we can only do Wolverine movies because audiences know who Wolverine is. Like we have to do another Wolverine movie because of the familiarity and love of the Wolverine <laughs> character. Yeah. We have to now. Like, and I'm like, but you made it that way. Like if you had been doing a bunch of amazing movies about any black characters, audiences would be into it like i would have been spending all of my money on all of the black panther sequels if they'd made any so so that's that's where i'm at right now where i'm just like with this x-men first class they they took a step backwards it felt like they took a step backwards instead of taking a step forward yeah i mean they they uh they were really leaning into like away from the like X-Men, the X-Men being like a racial allegory and going into a, like um uh more about like a LGBT like representation. Yes. Um yes. which was interesting. Uh <laughs> but they really didn't treat the the brown characters in that movie very well. Like either they turned evil or got killed. And there was only like two. There was only two of them. There was Angel. Yeah. There was Angel and there was Darwin. And I remember Angel from the Morrison era. I think it was the Morrison era yep, of the X-Men. That's where she came from, yeah. What? Oh my God. I was I was so deeply into Grant Morrison's <laughs> writing for a while. It was like, can I just buy every it was like, I think that's actually what started me on my X-Men obsession. I bought New the X-Men, X-Men was excellent. Yeah, he, it was a great run. He's a mad genius, Grant Morrison. Seriously. So yeah, I read that and then I was like, oh, let me get into this X-Men. And like, I went backwards from there. And mm. then I went forward, which unfortunately brought me into Joss Whedon territory. And then I was like, I need to stop. Um, because the X-Men is always forever and ever. You could just only buy X-Men forever. That's the weird thing about comics. They just keep telling the same story over and over and over again, but they reboot it every like four or five years. And they always reboot it with this promise of 
oh, now, now you marginalized audience members are actually going to get the story beats and <laughs> offerings that you've been, that you've been wanting for a while. This time will be, it feels like America, actually. I mean, why wouldn't it? That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it feels like, like the, the feelings I have every electoral cycle are, are also modeled by the X-Men movies. Like the X-Men movies are like the Democratic Party. Wow. Strong like, words. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I like just like the vibe, the emotional mm-hmm. feeling I get is I feel like they're going to cancel my student loans and then they don't. The X-Men? Yeah, the X-Men The movies. X-Men are gonna cancel your student loans. The X-Men movies. So like it's the feeling of like like how I felt like because Biden was like, we're gonna cancel your student loans. We're totally gonna do that. Like we're not, we're not like those mean Republicans. We're mm. gonna do good things for you. And then he like didn't. Yeah. And then I had to remember how Biden was actually the guy in charge who made it so you can't default. Like you can't default on you can't like get you can't do bankruptcy on your student loans. No. He's the no, dude can't. who wrote that into law. Like yep. when he was like a young whippersnapper. When he had, when he had, he was, he was one of those few Democrats that was like, let me step across the aisle and compromise. I'm doing the most gigantic air quotes right now with all of my fingers. And I toes. think we can hear that in your voice. Want to compromise, and, and he compromised all of us. So we're I mean, all he, compromised. He was, uh, he was uh, representing Delaware. He was representing some. Some dollar dollar bills, y'all. I mean, that's where a lot of banks or a lot of credit agencies were based. Wow. Well, like in Delaware. Regardless, I had the same feelings that Matthew Vaughn was like this time. All of the advertisements for this X-Men movie were like, look at this. No, it's the same thing. Same thing with the dang Star Wars, the Star Wars reboot. They were like, look at this black man. Look at this chick. Look at this God, black man. All these look brown people. Man. Look at this black man. Look at this Asian lady. Oh, we're different. We're different. Nope. Always the same. Always mm-hmm. going to return back to actually the real story was, will this white woman have sex with this white man? Also, can we feel really sorry for this white man who's done all this genocide? Yeah. <laughs> What happened to the black person and the Asian person? They're happy and smiling in the background. Move it along. Move it along. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> God damn it. Stop, you, just, stop, you just told the whole story of Star Wars. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Basically. I just yeah, we're supposed to feel happy. sorry for for Kyle, even though he's like murdering literally everyone. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, because Darth Vader saved his son in the last like original movie. That means he's he's redeemed. He can go to Jedi heaven. And yeah, oh. the same thing with the X-Men, like the the X-Men, like they 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 kind of reach for something, but not with any zeal for it. They're just like, it's kind of, man, what's the word? Uh, Cynical? Yeah, well, in a world, in a world where you're not allowed to say, where you're not allowed to be out of the closet, Mm. in a world where it truly is um, um, less liberated than it is now, which which was us only about 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. When the X-Men movies were coming up, you had to go to where the metaphors were 
nobody like it was hard to find to find our stories unless they were being told metaphorically yeah and this is as good as we could get that's been a a theme for uh black representation in in uh, genre media for literally ever just take what we can get i'm hungry for new stories so i'll be honest if another like the last x-men movie that came out I didn't watch it. The one that had the girl from um, the the Game of Thrones movies. Yeah, you shouldn't have. That's good. It was very bad. It was yeah. it was intensely bad. Yeah. There's a reason they stopped yeah. making them. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, here's the thing. Like, I I say yes to going to a movie mm-hmm. because of the promise of the imaginative ride that they're going to give me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really over imaginative rides that make me feel bad about myself or tell me a lie about the world I live in. I want a ride that makes me excited about the future. And I don't think old IP, old racist IP can provide me an imaginative ride that I as a black audience member can really enjoy and vibe with. Mm -hmm. So we need new comic books, movies, new comic book movies, no more X-Men movies. Maybe some milestone characters. Hey, okay, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, there's still, there's still comics that came, but um, they were, you know, black created, uh, black characters, black people writing them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, is that like Static Shock? Is that who you're thinking of? Yep. Static and Icon, uh, Rocket. um, They were, they just actually rebooted the, the Milestone comics. Uh, Actually, Reggie Hudlin is, is like, um, part of that, but, um, they, but having, having like a static movie might be good. Having like an icon movie might be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I love Dwayne McDuffie, like Dwayne McDuffie makes good stuff. He had like Justice League Unlimited. He had been 10. Yeah. Come on, McDuffie, McDuffie for the win. Yeah. Yeah. He had a really amazing life and a really uh, like a really great uh, creative life, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I I would be down for some 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 of the work of of McDuffie, but like I'm also I'm I'm hungry for something new. Mm. Like, like right now, you're you're talking to me about oh these are the these are the few black creators who were allowed to thrive within white dominant society twenty years ago. Yeah. Let's 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 refresh that IP, and I'm like let's let's do a new. You know model. what? With a brand new story. I think the last thing um, I can think of is the um, there is a, a a creator, and I'm going to try to do his name justice. Uh, Kwanzaa Osajifo. Ooh, okay. He created a comic called Black, and oh, it got optioned by Warner Brothers. That's pretty cool. Um, hey, speak it, and it will become true. <laughs> he Maybe did a comic called Black, good. and. Th- this comic is what if what if a world what if there's a world where people just randomly got superpowers but only the black people <gasps> oh i like it already if anybody wants to i will put a link to the comic ah, and his okay. uh, twitter in the in the podcast notes but his uh his twitter is at kwanzer k-w-a-n-z-e-r he's really it it's really good. It's really uh, creative. Uh, it's a mini series, like six issues. And then there were some uh, some other characters that got side stuff. And now he's he's writing a comic called White. 
which is uh, the story of like how white people respond to black, just black people getting superpowers. That sounds so interesting. It's um, a really good book. I highly I suggest it. it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. I, I this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I mean, I'm sorry that um, um, someone had to feel bad for me to be here, but I'm so glad that I could. <laughs> ah, Nick will be fine. <laughs> I Shouldn't Have to Say This is brought to you by you, you listening right now. If you are a patron, thank you so much. If you're interested in being a patron, well, you can go to patreon.com slash say this cast. There you'll be able to get extra episodes, uh, get the episodes early and ask us questions and stuff. So if you go to patreon.com slash say this cast, be able to support the show, be able to help us keep it online and pay all the fees and get new equipment and all of that stuff. But even just sharing the podcast, the videos, the uh, links, the website, anything like that, that also helps us out. So if you can't be a patron, that is completely fine. But just, you know, spread the word about our awesome little show. And thanks. Okay, so now is the time where we talk about happy stuff and good stuff and stuff that is making this hellscape of a world a little brighter. So, Claudia, what is making you happy right now? What's making me super happy is the global watch night for Black Lives that I am co-producing with a colleague and friend. We're leaning in really deeply to the teachings and learnings of Tricia Hersey and the NAP ministry, where the first idea was to do this very ambitious project that like involved people from all over the world. And we're still doing it, but we realized that it could be a website. And so it wouldn't require us doing a bunch of labor to like manifest it. It was kind of like a magical conversation with black women where we were like, we had this ambitious international dream. We almost did something that was gonna make us all really tired. And then we were able to figure out how to manifest it in a way that was restful. And it's making me so happy. That's awesome. Wow, that's that's way better than my thing. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, Along with everything else that that you're doing, we'll we'll put um, information for you in the in the show notes so everybody can check all your work out. Um, for me, it's uh, I don't think I've talked about this thing I've been I've been doing on the show yet. Um, actually, let's hold on a second. No, it's something else. Okay. Um, so uh, for me, uh, it was recently my grandma's birthday. Um, she turned 99, which is wow. Right. And, uh, there, and I've played a song on, oh man, have I talked about this before? I try not to talk about the same thing, like, like twice. Uh, all right. Um, so she turned 99 and there was a song that my uh, uncle sang with, along with someone else that, that she really liked. Um, and I played it on the show before Lady Liberty, uh, and what I did was I contacted the guy that that he sang with. I got all the files and I was able to um, sing along with my uncle. He passed away like 20 years ago now. Um, so I, I finally got everything done and I sent it to her 
And apparently, like, my mom and my aunt were there and they were like, oh, my God, it's so good. I was very happy about that. Uh, she really enjoyed She really enjoyed her birthday. <laughs> and uh, the fun thing is I'm trying to think of what to do next year for her 100th birthday. And I'm going to try to uh, get her favorite. She has a favorite carol. So I'm going to try to email um, all the musicians in my family. We have a ton of them. And so they can sing part of the carol. And then I can play that for next year. Wow. That's amazing. Is that the Carol of the Bells? No, it's going to be uh, the first Noel. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And it's really, it's an easier part too, which is good. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to try to get a bunch of recordings of people I got to figure out how to keep them all on key and everything, but uh, hopefully uh, it'll work out. And next year I'll be able to play it for her or uh, at her service. Either way, <laughs> it's going to be a good project. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that was a really great thing that happened like in the past couple weeks. She turned 99 on the 17th. So, geez. Anyway. <laughs> I hope that I hope I can make it that far myself. Um, anyway, thank you everybody for listening to I shouldn't have to say this. Thank you, Claudia, for being on. It's it's been really really fun. If you guys want to hear any other episodes of I shouldn't have to say this, you can go to saythiscast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at saythiscast, and if you have any questions or anything, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com. Uh, Claudia, where can we find you online and all in, in your work and stuff? Oh gosh, part of my practice is being everywhere. So I like <laughs> to be on all of the platforms, but you can go to uh, callingupjustice.com and generally that can tell you when, where, how to connect to Claudia Alec on TikTok or on Twitter or on Instagram or any of the various platforms that we're producing delightful digital offerings on. Delightful digital offerings. I love it. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the, your your in it, your work on the internet is like a like a nice parfait. Oh, it's a parfait it's, of justice. Parfait it's of justice. Parfait oh, I love it. <laughs> the parfait of justice. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you can find me online. That's at press start lock, uh, and you can. Um, listen to the theme song that's playing right now. It's called Kanamari Taino. It's by the one-ups and you can uh, find that at mustin. Sorry, store.mustinenterprises.com That's M-E-O-S-T-I-N and I shouldn't have to say this, is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. If you'd like to know more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com <laughs>